All right, guys, before we get started, I want to talk really quick about our sponsor, and that's Patch Chunky Shop. Uh, Patch Chunky Shop is an Etsy shop that specializes in uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell patch related stuff like patch mats and patch bags that you can stick your patches to. So if you get a chance, go to their website. It's www.patchjunkyshop.com and use the promo code Salumis for 10% off of your order. Once again, that's S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T and instantly get 10% off. Um, I want to also talk about Skype. That is who we've been using as of late to do these podcast episodes uh, because we want to exercise caution and really pay respect to the social distancing and the different types of uh, rules and regulations that are going out there right now. Uh, we chose to use Skype to hold a lot of our episodes. So Skype isn't the only platform out there that will allow you to do this kind of stuff. So if you have anything like Google Hangouts, if you have Zoom uh, tons of other platforms out there that will allow you to connect with other people and really get whatever message that you have out there. Or if you just want to connect with any of your friends and loved ones, there's tons of platforms out there. But if you want a good example of one, Skype is what we've been using, and I highly recommend that. All right, let's get into the show. This episode might be one of, if not the most important episodes will ever, ever release. I'm releasing this episode because I'm tired. I'm sad. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm angry. Most of all, for the first time in my life, I feel powerless. By spending most of my life and energy being agreeable, constantly capitulating, saying what people wanted to hear, and bearing the weight of other people's ignorance and apathy just to fit in, I lost my sense of reality. In some weird way, I spent my life trying to show people that we are far better than what your friends, family, or other groups might say. I wanted to be one of the good ones. I made deliberate efforts to suppress my frustrations and I gave middle-of-the-road answers to things so much that I forgot about my personal responsibility as someone who is or claims to be aware of the plights of others as well as my duty to do everything I can to put them in a position for success, just as my parents did for me. But to do that, I needed to take a side and stand for something bigger than myself and my desire to please. Because of this, I've been put in a situation where I'm struggling to find purpose in anything because I can't even trust my own intentions anymore. It's causing me a lot of depression stress and I'm, I'm lashing out at everyone who doesn't look like me. I've become distrusting of the police and whites in general. I begin to see people first as threats, making it harder for me to form connections. I have way less tolerance of much when I go out in public and when I come home, I don't want to be spoken to or anything because I'm just so drained. I can't even look at my white wife and stepdaughter the same anymore. Everything just feels like a lie. And what's worse is because I come from the camp of extreme ownership. I only have myself to blame and I need help. I need help to find the strength to properly join the fight, but I almost don't feel worthy to do so because I feel like I let my community and my people down. We've received texts, questions, and calls from people asking the same question. What can I do? How can we be better? What can we do differently? Oddly enough, I look to Spider-Man. 
Uncle Ben said that with great power comes great responsibility. For years, we've been told about the existence of white privilege. And within that privilege is a unique power that can elevate or suppress entire groups of people. There exists a great deal of power in the black community. There have been storms weathered that I'm fully convinced other groups of people couldn't even begin to comprehend what it took to survive those. But it still seems like our power can't fully be recognized without your help. I firmly believe that amidst the turmoil brought upon our society by COVID-19, there was a strong degree of correction. When we couldn't be blinded or distracted by our comforts, when we couldn't go to work, when we needed to shop at the stores, eat at the restaurants, be at the parks, theaters, and other venues, it exposed us. For once, it finally showed many white people what it's like to be black, hopeless, and afraid at some point. The removal of those distractions forced us to pay attention to everything else that we simply didn't have the capacity to focus on. And while it saddens me that it took a global pandemic to put us in a position to see what has been happening for generations, I can't help but be thankful that we're at least able to see, though my biggest fear is that the cure for Corona might also be the cure for the empathy that many of us are feeling right now, which might drive us back to our old ways. My hope in this episode is that through listening to this, you learn about what you can do. My hope is that you can somehow use the privilege and power that you have for good and answer the call to action that has been blaring for generations. If you're down like me, my hope is that we can use this episode to pick ourselves back up and find purpose in the battle once more. So without further ado, I present to you episode 890 of the Slums podcast with great power. You want to wrestle someone now, don't you? Yeah, yeah, dog. Uh, new episodes. Some new episodes. Yeah, I just watched you last night. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Hey, I think you're. Is everything coming out of your speakers? Because it's it's catching back on here. Yeah, my bad. Yes, you fucking sound Nazi. Here it goes. Sorry. (laughs) Let's see. No, I shouldn't be some. I shouldn't be some mean. Oh, yeah, that sounds better. a lot better. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Let's see. Okay. So let me position this, man. I've been, I've been writing a bunch. I've been trying to think of. You've been writing? The, yeah, man. Um, what you been writing about? Just all kinds of stuff, man. I'm just at a really low moment. It's just all, all the shit going on, man. I'm just trying to keep it, keep it together. You know what I'm saying? But the one thing that has been consistent, I guess, is that, you know, I'm, I've been having a steady stream of of just white people in general and stuff like that asking, like, what can we do? What am yeah. I what what are we going to do? Like, what can we do? How can we help? And that's kind of the that's the theme that I want to make for for this episode. Now I told you guys that I wanted to call this one, you know, with uh, with great power, and and the reason for that was uh, 
a lot of the fact that they white people are now realizing that white privilege is real. Um, it's a very real thing. It's a very serious thing. And I believe that when you have any kind of privilege, there's an element of power. And finally, a lot of them are starting to use that power for, Mm -hmm. for good. And, um, you know, it's been really interesting seeing a lot of them out in the, in the streets and going out there and, and protesting. And it's some of them that are out there taking swings and shit like that, you know, um, or, and it's just, it's really weird seeing all of it happen. And it's like, what, why did it, what, what happened for it to finally all start to matter? And I think that, um, you know, I've said it multiple times. I believe that COVID was a very big factor in this. I think that our, our lifestyle, it's, it's apparent that it blocks us from being able to see what all is actually going on in the world. Now, if you look at how many levels, if you will, that your work, that going to the restaurants, going to concerts, watching sports, doing all this shit, like how many levels of distractions that adds to paying attention to stuff. It's, it's just staggering. And, and beyond that, like it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's expected of you too. Yeah. Like that's what a normal person does. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen though is that the younger generation, who largely doesn't buy into a lot of the shit that a lot of us do, um, they seem to be the ones that have been at the forefront. Um, you know, we we were all sitting there uh, talking in the episode with Shep and, and Todd. When Shep asked us, when was, a lot, when was the first time you heard about white privilege? You know, it was 2014 by a bunch of kids at probably BuzzFeed. You know what I mean? And they're talking about all that kind of stuff. And even then I was like, shut the fuck up, kids. You know, like, you guys don't, like, what do you guys know? But it, as time has gone by, they continuously begin to show that because they didn't or they don't have some of the things that we constantly worry about there's a there's a little bit of a rat race in itself and in, in, in the lives that i think that we all live it's like okay you gotta get your job make money you know there's all these different steps and for for some reason i think that the generation after us just it's just not as important to them and because that is not a big priority to them they are by nature somewhat more empathetic even when they're on their fucking phones and all this other stuff somehow they have, in my opinion, it seems like increased levels of empathy towards things. And it just seems like it's a lot easier, I, I think, at least. Um, but maybe I'm just seeing the wrong the wrong areas. But it, something seems very, very different this time. And I do believe that when we've when those um, distractions got removed, it's helped us to get better. And I want to stop there because I've got a whole lot more. But let's let's get some discussion going. Well. I think that this generation of young adults, and I say young adults, and it it breaks my heart because I'm no longer a young adult necessarily. Like I'm on like the old end of young and the young end of of middle age. Mm-hmm. But like people, like cats that are fucking eighteen, nineteen, twenty, on up to like you know, 26 even Mm -hmm. on up into that motherfucking range. 
that demographic um, don't own shit mm-hmm. except for an education that is largely ridiculed. Like what it, what they get an education in is largely ridiculed by blue collar like. Uh, trade school type motherfuckers like, mm-hmm. oh, why would you get a liberal arts degree or why would you get a degree in psychology and you're just, and you're not using it? Um, but they got debt and they got an education and they mm-hmm. got the experience of college and different worldviews and all that. But they don't have anything else. And and I think you're right. I think that. The, the cultural norms that are associated with like that fucking golden era, 1950s atomic family bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's just gradually the sheen is worn off on, on that. And then we've hit a tipping point with this particular generation. Yeah. We've and tipping point and, more like critical mass. Yeah, it is critical mass. And you can, you can only do, you can only bamboozle motherfuckers for so long. Free people, and I say free very, you know, liberally, uh, mm-hmm. you know, free people for so fucking long. But for an entire fucking generation of them, for the most part, is going to catch on. Like, wait a minute, I'm an adult. This ain't right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and there's even a disconnect again with us. Like, those of us that are on this podcast, like, y'all are homeowners. I just applied for a home loan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and to me, that's very feasible. Like I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking for properties to purchase and shit. And I can't fathom. I wish I had done it earlier. I wish somebody had pointed me in the right direction. Yeah, with us two, you, you're you're gonna win. Yeah, you're gonna you, win, dude. You, Between Kalu, frugal ass, and my <laughs> scheming ass, dog, you about to win. I yeah. will. Well, and and that's the thing, though, is that that cats like us that are in like mid thirties and shit. Yeah, we we are a different creature because we have we we do identify with Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, Chris, uh, Chris, your connection is yeah. kind of off right now. It's a little bit delayed. I don't know if you're in an area of bad coverage or or what. Hang on, let me. Wanted to see about that. But anyway, Mark, I want to get your thoughts on it. Let me go back to what I wrote down. White privs. What happens? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think um, I don't really define white privilege that way. Like, I don't know if I agree with the way it's used or or respond. It's like male privilege or any other kind of privilege. Mm -hmm. Almost. I think it was it was like earned in a dark way an unfortunate way but it was earned the mm. privilege i think is like a social class status they get a few more rung, le- levels higher for free just for being white because of the the way our society was built and constructed mm. and to me it's like the people who built the treehouse being the first ones to get the cookies and juice or whatever like i still haven't seen something where uh White privilege is. Uh, I haven't seen something where white privilege is is uh, like displayed in a way that's not. I don't want to say understandable, but that doesn't make sense to me. Like the stuff that white people benefit from over me that I observe, mm-hmm. most of them I don't have a problem with. 
It's like, yeah. it's what I think you would have benefited from if you were in a country that was all predominantly a different race or mm-hmm. like if everyone there was um, Swedish or if everyone there was uh, uh, Cameroonian or something. If you went to that country and everyone's there, like there's going to be some stuff that that, that they experience socially because that's the only level I see it expressed at is the emotional level. Like, mm-hmm. here's the example. In a boardroom, it's a joke, and I'll let you finish the joke for me. What's the best way to have your perspective uh, uh, considered in a in a boardroom meeting? What's the best way? Yeah, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna let you finish the joke. You should have heard it before. That's what's the best way to have your opinion or your perspective understood in a boardroom meeting? Uh, I don't know. Never heard that before. No. Well, the, the answer is let a white guy say it. Because oh, in damn. every meeting, and this happens in my job and everywhere else, in every meeting, white guys always overspeak or explain what you're trying to say mm-hmm. or say, oh, this is what Mark Twain meant or whatever. And it's super insulting, super condescending and, and frustrating. However, what I think about is I'm sitting in a company that was built by most probably white men and the corporate experience that we all, the guys like me and you are involved in is a protraction of successful white male conquest. The idea of business that we're participating in is already white. You get what I mean? Yeah, the way the, the whole idea of a corporation, the whole idea of free market capitalism as we participate in it in this part of the world and the symptoms of free market capitalism or the, the institutions created in there like businesses, mm-hmm. um, they, they already are stylized. They're, they're mm-hmm. already skewed in a cultural way. It's already biased. You're participating in that. And they make attempts. Maybe they could do better, but they make attempts to make that egalitarian because America says we want everybody to come and have a good time. But I think America says that the same way I say I want everybody to come over to my house and have a good yeah. time. And you ain't got to ask me to look in the refrigerator or to use the bathroom or to go take a nap in one of the bedrooms. Yeah. Or to use some utility or something that, you know, you, you ain't going to. But I don't want you to use my clippers. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't want anybody else cutting their hair with my clippers. I'm not defending white people. I'm just saying I want to get to serious, nitty gritty stuff and not fuck around at this emotional, silly shit that these BLM and uh, Gen Z's are talking about. Because I don't think they're going deep enough. I think they're very comfortable and they're very fair because they've had a very fair and comfortable un challenging environment to come up. I don't expect fairness because I've been on the back of the school bus before. Yeah. I've been on that when you couldn't go past a certain few seats in the school bus because the big older, tougher sixth graders were back there and they would like brutalize you, you know what I mean? Or they pull you back and you better perform for them or something. You know, I've been on the playground. I've held with the, I hung out with the dangerous older kids. I've hung out with the kids from the other side of track and been, been in environments where I wasn't, I wasn't precious. You see what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't. And so white privilege to me, I just haven't seen any <clears throat> of it. Maybe we can list them out. So I haven't seen any examples of it that eat, that fucking bother me. I think like, you I, are a, you're a rarity though, Mark. Um, I think that there's, it, it goes without saying. I mean, there's just, there's something different about you, man, where you can seem to thrive in any sort of thing. And I, for, for a, a good chunk I'm the same way, but something has changed where I I do have this awareness of what the other people are experiencing. And again, or it's not even again, this is probably the first time I'm saying it, that it, that happens because I spent so much of my time right. capitulating so yeah. much of my time being agreeable, 
being the the reason why I just took it upon myself like I was going to be some kind of savior to show, hey, mm-hmm. black people aren't that bad, you know, and, and yeah. doing all of that so much has now made me hyper aware to everything. And yeah, now man. I'm just like now for me, it feels like everything is somewhat a lie. Like I'm questioning yeah. everything that I do. And you know, you know, when I always invoke Eric from the art of love, that that little little book you can read in the afternoon that everybody reads in college in the philosophy class. Uh, it's the art of love or the art of loving by Eric Fromm, spelled uh, F-R-O-M-M. Mm-hmm. Um, Fromm, Fromm says something in there that I'm paraphrasing and butchering, but it's the one thing that stuck out to me about the whole book was there's no such thing as maturity. And I add to that my own language borrowed from others philosophers there's development and then arrested development that's mm-hmm. it there's no i'm not more mature than you you're not more mature than me but if we looked at the way you handle your money and the way i handle my money it would look like i was a child because mm-hmm. you're, you're you see what i mean so because you're, you're more developed in handling your money that's all this too i say all that to, before i say what i what i wanted to make sure it didn't um offend you and that's that what you're going through is what i've been going through all my life Mm. So you're just going through it at a different time and yeah. you will, you will go full circle because you're not going to sit there and like dwell in it. And, but, but it's important to go through that. I like, I went through a, I hate all white people a few years. Right. And mm. if you knew what I know, like what I feel about <laughs> right now, it yeah. ain't, it ain't never lightened up. It only gets stronger. Yeah. I'm like all my uncles. If I had a special button that would only blow up a certain people, I would press <laughs> that button right <laughs> up <and> now. But, <laughs> The way I articulate it and expressing the way I move the world starts to change because what you start realizing is where your power is at and where it's not. And mm-hmm. and that's the thing I'm just saying that don't get me wrong, because you, you're not going to say anything that has more vitriol toward white people than, than, the, than the perspectives I hold. Yeah. You know what I mean? But what where the learning is, where the, the growth is for uh, this squad is showing why is Mark Twain so different than the you know, 25 year old you met in the projects like mm-hmm. in 2003, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, when, or whenever it was when we, we first started hanging out, but yeah. um, that, cause there's, there's reasons why, you know, I've come, I've come a long way and I can give you quick little examples. I don't want to talk too much, but it's better if we take an example and I show you how I felt then versus how I felt now. And like, yeah, yeah, yada. Just like when I talk about that cop beating me up, yeah. here's the facts. He was way out of line, whatever. But guess what I was doing? I was 16. Mm-hmm. running around getting all the tail in the world. I had far too much time on my hand. I should have been doing something constructive at that age. I didn't have a job, but I had tons of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, and I was smarting off. So all these variables that as a community should have been not that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't have males around me that could, could control me enough. Like maybe your dad would have, you know, I, I didn't have a dad. So all I'm saying is our community can change that outcome. If it was 2015 when it happened, I might have been shot dead. Sure. That's but he was I, I a agree. Punk ass cop and he just made me and handcuffed me and beat me up and threw me in the back of the cop car and he got in trouble later. It took him two years to fire him, but whatever. Mm-hmm. The whole point was how what what circumstances make me not be there in that situation? One, there was hundreds of witnesses standing around that didn't do anything. Our people are cowards. Our people are afraid to die for what we believe in. No one showed up till mm-hmm. afterwards. I mean, it looked like a small little protest in the projects when 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 I finally took me out of the car and I got the mace out of my eyes and I looked around and I was like, damn, it's, it's looked like the dust bowl. Everyone was there. So I it was only like 18 or 20 minutes I was in the car, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in that time, you know, word spread and everyone showed up. But um, 
The point was, why didn't we just mob him? Why didn't we just, even the lawyer up in Orangeboro, when we went to the federal courts, told me, that he said, man, if that ever happens to you, like all dignity and civility is out the window. Just beat the shit out of cop. The charges aren't going to change when yeah. he's gone that far. Why didn't we do that? Why, why are we still not turning up our people? I mean, black people. Mm-hmm. We're still taking punk ass, like repercussion free, opportunistic uh, t- um. Uh, chances to like break a window or something. I march with a bunch of people. You mean to tell me that we're th- we're upset enough to do that, but we're not upset enough to fucking cancel our cable subscriptions? Stop watching NFL? Why? Stop mm. watching it all together. Stop watching Hulu, Netflix. Take as much money out of our out of the co- economy as we possibly can. That's built based on just uh, pacifying ourselves. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying all that to say in response to your first thing you laid mm-hmm. down. I don't think this is the big one. I don't think it's real at all. I think motherfuckers is bored. You think so? Yeah, mostly. I'm, I don't mean to belittle no, any no, of what no. we're saying. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, if if your fucking cable subscription and your and your 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 goddamn little entertainment is enough to keep you distracted, then you're not uncomfortable enough yet, and that includes me. And I just think people are just bored, man. And we underestimate the power of that because I spent my summers doing wild, crazy shit, playing outside, throwing rocks, hurting people, getting hurt, almost killing somebody, almost getting killed. Just growing up a country boy, right? We do wild shit. Running through cornfields, man, losing friends in cornfields. Like I remember running through a fucking cornfields and um uh Brandon, what was Brandon's Brandon Tibbs uh running and like like a stalk went through his arm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we're running, playing in somebody's cornfield. The farmer don't want you in there turn up the corn. Yes. But like all of a sudden we can't find Brandon because he done got impaled through his arm. <laughs> through some, God. You know how you know how corn stalk yes. when it dries out. Like mm-hmm. when it, and it's just stuck in the mud, man, they're sharp. Like mm-hmm. anyway, I just mean we did wild stuff. And I see what I see when I see these kids, I see dorky, goofy kids that don't know how to throw a punch, don't know how easy it is to hurt someone. I'm like, oh, I see what it is. They haven't been outside playing. They're so insolent that they need that that outlet. And now it's just a convenient opportunity to do that. Just like everything else has been made ultra convenient for them. That's hmm. what I think it is. Chris, where do you stand? Well, I don't. I don't think he's entirely off base for real. Like, uh, I think it could get reframed in terms of you have us who, like he has outlined completely, have taken our lumps. We grew up in the like right on the cusp of the information age, so we were still running around like playing yeah. in the dirt. We all have more to do outside than there was. Yeah, yeah. Ha- yeah. having yeah. rock fights. Having yeah. rock fights, going and meeting and getting in fist fights and like mm-hmm. shit like that. And I don't I don't think that the social dynamic is quite the same. The the kids that I've seen, they tend to be more isolated. They're at their house and they're on some sort of device. Mm-hmm. And um and, and again, that's just my own subjective what I have seen. But I, once that's unplugged. And then you have people that are on the verge of adulthood. Like, think about how, and you was talking about going through phases, like, like, fuck all white people phase. Man, when I had dreadlocks hanging down to my ass and I was like, going to get my PhD in sociology and shit, I was as militant as fuck. Like, I was belligerent as hell. Kalu knows. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd sit in that class and just loom in the corner 
during class discussions and they're just waiting for somebody to say some shit that I th- thought was off, off base. <laughs> and yep. then I would fucking just unload some nonsense. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the difference is we have lived through those things like in, in, encounters, like actually having brushes with death mm-hmm. and, and not to discount. I know these motherfuckers from this generation, from generation Z, from the overwhelming majority of cats that are out there doing the thing right now. Yeah, they, 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 some of them got it honest. A lot of them got it honest, but we're talking about a macro level and a difference in generation. And you have a lot of adults that have that mindset that we had at one point. That's just like, uh, fuck, my identity needs to be tied to something meaningful. And and yeah. you're exploring yeah. all these pr- profound fucking concepts, and, yeah. and and it's eliciting a visceral reaction. You are having a profound like neurotransmitter release as a result of new ideas and new information that's presented to you. So you've been numbed and pacified and kept comfy this entire motherfucking time, right up until the point where physiologically and even culturally you're supposed to go out into the world and the Mm -hmm. world you are not prepared you're not prepared and whether you whether that that ill preparedness has anything to do with your own personal efficacy or it's by design that an entire generation was neutered of like certain skills and told to go to go to college and get a degree in something that they're never going to make any money at and just be slaves buried under fucking debt. That that's debatable. But I do believe I do believe that there is genuine outrage. And I do believe that this generation it, the generation Z, like I, I want to at least, I want to believe that these motherfuckers have the minerals, and that and that us, you know, like me and Mark, that we're just we're battle scarred vets, and we're over here like, yo, I've been fighting this battle for a long ass time. Until it's on my doorstep, like I, I can't be out here in these streets. I got to protect mine. Like you, you, that's just a fit. That's a thing that happens as you get older, naturally. Anyway. Yeah, but we I just, got. Go we have to rely. Overwhelmingly, if you look at these re- revolutions, anything like that, we've always relied on young people to do that shit. And I would be lying if I said that I didn't think that Mark was probably right. That that um, and it's. I don't want to call it pessimism. I want to call it realism. Like I'm just being a realist about the shit. I have a. I have a bad feeling that people are going to fall back into comfort. And not keep pushing and not keep pushing. And the gradual push will elicit change. If there's a gradual ongoing push and people are innovative and willing to invest themselves. And again, you do have an entire generation of people that are that lightweight have nothing to fucking lose except for they Hulu. Yeah. But I think that part of that, I think that the push can stay constant. And it's, it's bad to word it like this, but it seems like the push can stay constant as long as a lot of these comforts that we have are inaccessible thanks to COVID. Again, uh, it, it really has put people in a position. It's put people in a position to actually listen because you're right. There's nothing else to do. Like you can't go and watch NFL to t- turn your mind off of 
every other stuff. You can't go and watch March Madness to take away from all the other things going on. There's no sports. There's no shows. There's no movies. You can't go to the theater. You can't go bowling. You just have to sit with yourself. And I think that, like I've like I've said in the text, that this is a blessing in disguise because it is forcing people to pay attention. And and at yeah. this point, the attempt if they're cho- like you are choosing to ignore it if you aren't if you aren't feeling something like you're you're making an effort to ignore it. And I think that those people that are waiting or that are making efforts to ignore it are are I guess subconsciously hoping that some cure for COVID comes so they can go back to normal because they're, I think that those people right now are the ones that are like, shit, won't ever, won't, won't they shut up about this? Won't they? But people aren't shutting up. And I think because we do have that, that freed up mental bandwidth, it, it has to be something that we, we pay attention to, but I still can't get over the fact that I feel like I've literally not live the 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 life that I should have that I should be living or that I should have been living. You know, we've always had a or we have been taught a responsibility to your people. And, you know, one of the things that my my parents would tell me before we left, especially my dad, before before we left for school, before I went on a trip is don't forget who you are. And I think that I stayed jacked in to this matrix, if you will, for so long and that, that I, I really did lose. I lost real, I lost like my sense of reality as to what's going on. Not to say that I didn't see that things were going, were, were happening, but I, I I saw I'm Nigerian and there was a little bit of a distancing that got done there because I didn't share the -hmm. same history. Like mm-hmm. the one thing that I have over black, just li- that I do have over African Americans is my fucking name. And I didn't know just how important that was, like my name, my origin. And I've, you know, and I've sent messages to different people, you know, trying to talk to them a little bit about this. Like there's an entire people without a true origin story. And I'm fortunate enough to, to have had one. And I feel like, with that knowledge, I should have done more to get people more interested in where they came from, because I feel like that could help with some of the things that that we're struggling with. And and again, I got so focused on on winning or playing the game that I just did everything wrong. And and I shouldn't have to have spent the amount of time that I did spend being agreeable, being the nice guy, being on all the time like people don't. People don't understand how taxing it is just being on. And if this is your first time hearing about this, like if you've ever had a, you know, a black friend or a person of color or even a woman in in the work environment, a lot of times we have to be on. We have to be. It's this constant performance, being nice to everyone, letting certain things roll off of you, putting up with with certain things for me. I felt that I was carrying the fucking ignorance of people who would come up to me and ask me just asinine questions. And, and it's like, I would have to give them the answer they wanted to hear because I thought I was doing the right thing. And, and, and in my hopes was like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to feel better about black people afterwards. And by doing that, so, 
that's so dope of you to like be transparent about that collude because again, not making it about my asshole self. No, no, but, no, no, no. You know, it makes me glad that I always kept it real with you, even if it was through teasing or whatever, you know. Yeah. Every every since we met. Cause I told you that's what made me like like you. I was like, man, this kid's really his head's somewhere totally else. And I would always yeah. tease you and say it's because you went to Greenwood and stuff yeah. like that. You know what I mean? But you literally did not have that jaded edge. And I liked it. You know, but it, it but I was also aware that, you know, eventually that you know, uh uh you know what a Paul Mooney calls it? What was that? The nigga wake up call. That's uh, that's what that's, I swear that's to God. What, it is. Paul Mooney calls I swear it. So God, that's it ain't it ain't it ain't nothing new, dog. Are you gonna and, call and what, this and episode? <laughs> yeah, one of them at least because we got a series we got to do this summer. It's yeah. gonna be crazy. But like, uh, I won't talk too much. But what is interesting again is exploring, exploring what fundamentally made that reality uh, a present in your mind and like. What was the difference between before you feel the way you do now and a few months ago where you felt another way? Because that's where the the answers are. And that's just like I was telling um, uh, Dania, like, like I I got literature that that Mm -hmm. talks about that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This book plus this book plus this book will explain exactly what you just went through. You know what I mean? Well, you know what? You know, one of the the sad parts Mm -hmm. is that it started to become real for me. When, because I've I've been, so it's it's weird to say this like in like in covert mode, like some covert op or something like that. Like I'm some some like agent for for black people just working behind the scenes with white yeah. people. That's what, that's what kind of thing. So because yeah. I've been so so in that environment so much, it didn't really really hurt and affect me. Until I started seeing more white people get pissed about it. That is, that's the part that I'm, I'm low key ashamed about. Oh, wow. That's interesting, dude. You, you are so disconnected from that fundamental and hard reality about the, where you stand racially in the world and the world, the way the world sees you that you being also being a protector, you're Leo yes. being a person that wants everybody to be okay and wants to help everybody. You actually became more sensitive and aware of it when the people around you whose sensibilities trying to protect. Yeah. People that you put, you want to protect people you put before your own feelings when they start to get upset. Yeah. That's yeah. I see what you mean. That's stomach turning dog. Yeah. Dude. And, and it's dead serious. I can't even, Give me a second, man. A micro? Like, no, hang in there. I know what it, I know what you're going through. I t- I'll give you a micro one, example yeah. of one of those for me. I went to Warren County School District for a job interview around 2015 or something like that. Killed it. They had a hidden camera in the room. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like this little piece of paper where you had to describe how you're going to solve these problems. And I sit down at one of the three computers that were messed up and everything was inverted. You know how you take the video yeah. card and you, and you like, yeah, yeah. and they want, they want to know how it's going to flip around. Man, that's usually hotkeys for that, like yeah. control shift windows P or something. And it'll flip yeah. the, the desktop was upside down. Yeah. But I just grabbed the monitor and lifted it up and yeah. held it right side up in my hand while I took the mouse and flipped yeah. it back around. Yeah. Instead of trying to like turn my head and look like an idiot or whatever, I yeah. just turned the monitor upside down. Yeah. But uh, anyway, crushed it. But we all know the Warren County School District, Central Greenwood, they're notorious for uh, nepotism and they're independent. So you can't do nothing about it. Yeah. I knew I knew that somebody's nephew was going to get the job. But the way that dude talked to me, the way that old white man 
uh, yeah. talked to me when he walked me out of the, the building and put his arm around me and had this little smirk like, yeah, you know, you're a hot shot, but yeah, we're probably, you know, we're just required to do these interviews, whatever. Yeah. It made me feel like, why did I, you know, dress Do you want to know something for you that know, interview? Yeah. They called me for the, for the, um, for your reference check, right? Yeah. They called me and I told him you all would be stupid to not hire him. Now oh, you, you remember make, that? Yeah. Now, now you make more than like seven of them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's but right. It was still just like, you guys would be so dumb to not hire this guy. <laughs> I remember that interview. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was just yeah. a micro example of that. And you go through it multiple times. Yeah. And then I learned from my older brothers and it worked like hell to keep it funky. You wouldn't believe how well it works. So now I start off by telling white people how I feel about them. Like yeah. the people I know that are going to be around me. I don't trust you. I think you're the fucking devils in some ways. I think this and, and, it, and it, you wouldn't believe how well it works. Especially yeah. if they're mean, they're they're very they're they're glad to, that you keep it real, and you end up having a genuine friendship. And and that's the thing, man. Like it's because of that, I, I can't I can't even look at my family the same way, bro. Like it's it's all just so it feels so weird, man. It really does. And yeah, I I won't I don't care to to admit it. Like I'm going to go and talk to a therapist this week. I don't I don't know what the fuck is happening to me. Like you know, and I just like I told you guys. Like I'm, I, I certainly, I've got a gun now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And when, when people have asked like, why I, <laughs> I wish that I can say, oh, it's, you know, home defense and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. every single person I've been like, I don't want to get pulled over at going 35 and a 34. And it's some, it's someone's really bad day. And for some reason he chooses to, to kill me or something like that. I was like, at that point, when it gets to that point, I already know what's going to happen. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen enough shit on TV. I already know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it's either going to be him or me. I'm not going to be any fucking martyr. Like, that's not what I'm going to go do for anyone. Yeah. And like, that's like that. Right. That thought, dude, it makes my stomach turn. It really does. Like I've got nothing to be scared of in my neighborhood. Do you know how many, do you know how many days I've left my fucking garage door open? Do you know what I'm saying? Like I have security cameras anyway. I know I could just never check them and I'd be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's so weird to sit there and have that, that notion. And I think all this, all the shit that has happened because I've had my moment, you know, my my wake up call. And the good thing is you're the kind of guy that's going to do something about it. That's what, you know, the, the upside of this, because guess what? You multiply that by about four or five, and I'm that's the average Ronda. I don't want to say nobody's name because you ain't from Bowling Green. Well, you're from Bowling Green, but you don't know Bowling Green people. Yeah, yeah. I like to say names to invoke people that go through that every, like, that's their baseline life, not yeah. being trusted, being mistreated, got a couple little petty charges above their head, just trying to like exist in the world and yeah. they're you know, crunchy, black, tall and ripped like LeBron and everyone's scared of them. You know what I mean? Uh, Like it's like I've I've tried so hard to be to be nice and to take care of people. And and I don't even want what I what I had said to come off as like, oh, man, who's going to go kill some people? That's that's not what it is. No, 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 no. But it's like I'm fucking scared, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm legit scared. And for the first time in my life, I feel fucking powerless even with a gun i still feel powerless you know like i don't i don't know what to mm-hmm. i don't know what to do i don't know how to handle it like it's caused me so much fucking depression dude like i don't 
It's it's so weird. It's so weird, man. Every single time that I've been agreeable for someone, every single time someone has asked me some ignorant fucking question and I've been okay with it. Every single time I've allowed people to joke and all this other stuff and I didn't put them in check because I know that it's going to bleed into other things that they do. What what is the idea of you being black at a white person's convenience mean to you? Like identity wise, the concept of Kalu is black when it's convenient for me, but when it's not convenient for me, I'm going to dismiss his credibility as a person of color. Yep. That's yep. another dynamic that you have that I think yep. that a, a lot of African-American folks don't joust with the same way. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it, actually, that's not true. I, I mean, I grew up, one of my closest friends is a black man, mm-hmm. and he grew up hanging out with a lot of the white kids. And, bro, like, I sidelined with my beige ass. I sidelined, watched him consign any modicum of expression of his blackness his identity as a black man and it was framed up like no he wants to be this way but Mm -hmm. in reality if he wanted to kick it with that group of kids he had to capitulate in order Mm -hmm. to do that and he was black at their fucking convenience he was black he was black at their beck and call and then whenever it wasn't convenient for them when they wanted to ask an asinine fucking question or they wanted to drop the end bomb just to see what it felt like to do it in front of a, a, a person of color. He was the motherfucker that they did it to. And it only happens, that can only happen for so long. And then when me and him went off to college together and we moved in together, obviously, again, my beige, high yellow, like off white, melungeon ass has been, I have been identifying with people of color the entire time. Like mm-hmm. I've never, and, and I kind of understand the idea of being stripped of your identity against your will, because I am white when it's convenient for a white person to consider me white. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, when it re- when it really motherfucking comes down to it, they make sure I know that I'm different. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that that really that I think about just a, a recent thing that that had happened, I think it was somewhere like last, maybe it was early this year where I was at a um, a chamber event and a big wig. And I, I told you guys about this in an episode, a big wig up there boasted about how how great and kind and giving this other guy was and literally said he'll even help people across the train tracks like when he said that that should offended me. You know, and I was sitting there like, are you fucking joking? And then at the end of that event, this black girl had to come up there and sing my old Kentucky home. Everyone fucking knows what that song's about. If you even have a remote idea. So I was doubly pissed right there and I didn't even know how to handle it. So I remember going in the next day at work and and saying, like, can you believe you said that? And they were like, oh, come on. Really? That's not what he meant. I was like, yeah, yeah. You you get. It's you get gaslighted like a motherfucker. Dude, like you get I, I racially you get racially gaslighted. There's two options. Yeah. There is either the avoidance, I'm not going to be can- my candid self with this individual because they're not going to take it well. They're gonna call me on my shit, or they're a habitual line stepper, as Charlie mm-hmm. Murphy would say. Yeah. And you know, it was just and and I think that the reason why it um why they gave me that response of 
oh, he wasn't being that way. You're just, you know, like, oh, are you, are you really doing that right now? You know, it was, it was one of those things. And it's because I, I joke too much. It's because I do so many things just to be able to, to fit in. And then, and, and here's, here's the, the, the crazy part. I did that stuff so much, just being on, being agreeable that when I would get home, I didn't want anything to do with anyone. I just would disconnect. I would shut down. I would go and play a video game for hours. And I didn't realize what was happening until now. At first, I thought that I was just like, just checking out. It's just been a long day. But dude, it's from playing the fucking role all the time. Like people are, are they don't understand how how tough that is having to do that. Yeah. To, like I, I wonder... I don't even know what it would be like for me to have like a normal day. I think that I can, I can have that now because I work with a very diverse group of people and, and you know, they, they're just, it's, it's very different. This, this culture, it, but it's also, a, it's a tech company. So I, I like to think mm-hmm. that they're different, but uh, yeah, man, that's, being- that's why they just started another DNI effort at my work because a black person can't ever have emotions. We can't ever be upset. I got offered a level four position a year or two ago. And one of the cool things about our job, you can openly shop. Like yeah. you can go and do an interview and your manager doesn't get all offended. Like you're leaving mm-hmm. the team. I was like, let me see what this level four shit's about. Cause it changes here to, uh, and, and my company, it gets really different once you get to level four. But, um, anyway, I was shopping around and one of the things that guy said to me was, man, yeah, we want a rah, rah guy. He kept on saying that he wanted my energy and it sounded like some menstrual shit. He wanted everything except for the fact that I will smoke everyone on his team behind <laughs> yeah. his keyboard. I'm like, you can't even be accepted for your intellect. It's everything else. Yeah. Oh, you're very charismatic. Your, your personality, you're good at building relationships. I'm like, yeah. And I'm the glue that holds these fucking systems together too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, golly, it's unbelievable. And that's why the you will start to have a different um, acclimation of the Cronus complex mm-hmm. when you say what's motivating. Because here's what's cool. Here's what's interesting. You alluded to it just a moment ago. You didn't go down that path, though. Mm-hmm. Take away your capitulation and our need to do that throughout the day to day. And what state does that leave white people in? You will find that they are especially some of the males at least are uncomfortable without a certain, without exercising a certain sway over other people like even left alone, they'll be Mm -hmm. fighting each other. It's like, it's like, okay, there's something there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe it's the same thing. They make us sing and dance and want to socialize all the time and be outside or something, but they've got something else like ticking. And you wouldn't believe the degree to which we supply the baseline uh, satiation is that the word, Chris? For for that for that impulse of them, we set we quench that for white people on a daily basis on a, such a consistent baseline that they don't know that we're doing it, and that's what we call their privilege, if you will. You get what I mean? Mm. Because when you stop, oh man, you will be very interested in how the behavior changes, like how they just look at you confused or even get upset because you're not appeasing their sensibilities constantly, constantly. Like what I mean is we can take like our jobs, let someone tall, dark, handsome and ripped up six foot four be in our position yeah, in corporate and be like a leader. Mm hmm. They'll do me little round 
nerdy weirdo with the glasses and stuff. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. But you don't they don't know to what degree they curate the environment so that they're not uncomfortable because they're threatened by you gotta watch Francis Chris Wilson. They're literally threatened by the prowess of the black phenotype. And I tell you that to connect to what I told you is part of uh, my my added contribution to the whole yeah. Iceman inheritance is that we will outbreed them by nature. Most trees on the planet are green. Most humans on the planet are melanated like the three of us. And that's because of the sun. Ain't nobody's fault. It don't have nothing to do with race. But if you want to maintain a homogeneous, whatever you call it, body of people like that, you have to do selective interme- intermixing and active, proactive suppression of other people or you just won't exist after a while. And I think, I believe Francis Cress Welsing and some of the um, uh, Sheikh Anta Diop and Chancellor Williams, some of those authors that you don't hear about in America, but that wrote books about this. Like, yeah, that's where that's the, the big deal is about. Like, okay, it's commercial. It's commercially viable to to get someone else to do your work for you. That's the best way to get something done. Yeah. yeah. And um, But we got an extra little, we have an extra variable in the 19th century that we that we could consider because of what Darwin discovered. And we got a responsibility if we want to remain uh, solvent. Now, white well, race. And, 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 the, and the social systems that are set up, like you said, without those social systems in place, everybody within a few generations, I mean, not too terribly many generations for real, is going to be some shade of brown. It's just the way it's going to fucking play out. You end up with a population where, you know, there's like like if you look at Spain, you, you think a motherfucker from Spain. And what do you think of? Generally speaking, the average is like kind of kind of olive complexion, dark. Yeah, hair, the, dark yeah they're dark hair, dark eyes. Right. But there's enormous variation. There are people from Spain that have blonde hair and blue eyes and shit. However, yeah. their social system has worked in such a way that over time they basically absorbed all of that. All that DNA has gotten absorbed and circulated. Not to discount that if like, you know, a black mm-hmm. African person or just a black person that's not too far removed directly from Africa resides in Spain, they're not going to be subjugated in some way, but that it is built into it. And I don't understand how, um, I mean, I guess I do understand it. I think I think white guilt is a big fucking problem, too, because I think inherently, in my opinion, I think guilt is a selfish fucking emotion. At the end of the day, if you're sitting around feeling guilty instead of doing something about it, you're making it about yourself. Like mm-hmm. the feeling, the feeling of guilt, like sitting around and having the luxury to feel guilty about something means you're kind of making it about your fucking self. So even these white apologist motherfuckers and and the expression of white guilt like fuck your white guilt no i I really don't think a lot of people of color want that in the least like it's lightweight disgusting like bitch shut up don't feel guilty like just do the next best thing like come on like it's not even the next best thing do the uncomfortable thing that's what i i keep it, it keeps coming to me about what people it can do. It seems so and forced ha- and contrived, though, sometimes, well, though, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, this is like my friend and, and I, lo- dude, I, I love this man. Okay. I really do. He had, he had posted, and this is, this is a result of me just being mad at everyone. Um, he had posted like 
uh, talking about, hey, here's some some movies that we could watch to gain some understanding and stuff like that. And he, he had mentioned like American History X and and, and Django Unchained. And I'm sitting here like, you think we just want to see pe- white people getting fucking killed? Like that's going to make me feel better? Or like you think that's what? <laughs> oh, if you like, came over it, to my house, I would say I would take that. I'd be like, oh, oh God. <laughs> Let's, let's watch some white folks get killed. No, you want to uh, see a slave master get shot, Kalu? Yeah. There's a famous quote. I don't know what it was from. My brother would have to tell me, but there's a famous true true quote of a um, of a white guy um, in response to a vigilante African-American guy in some rural place in you know, Mississippi somewhere that we got. It may have been the Rosewood story. I don't know, but he, he killed a bunch of people and stuff. And one of the white guys literally was saying he just couldn't understand why he just didn't wait, rape a white woman. To get back at them, he, he literally—that's yeah. the the way his mind worked. The white yeah. guy was like, "I don't know, like anything but hurt me." He yeah, didn't get it. He didn't see women. how much yeah. he, you know, he was like, "Why didn't he just rape a white woman?" It's it's, it's yeah. a cheap quote too. It's like in a newspaper or something. But it says I, so much, man. What I was saying there is that, like, movies that like that doing shit like that just doesn't cut it anymore. We, it needs to be uncomfortable because it's been fucking uncomfortable for us the entire time. Yeah. Like you can, you can pause the movie, you can turn it off, you can eat popcorn when you're trying to fix the issue of racism or fix the issue of prejudice. It's not goddamn comfortable. It's not supposed to be. And it's not going to be this feel good Sandra Bullock well, no. hugs and kisses at the end of the That's fucking movie. That's why I will not shit. watch The Blind Side. That's why I won't fucking watch well, it. And this it, is also it, why it's, it's I can't white, stand when people t- call me that fucking name. Like, the, I remember that. I can't remember it's who it was that saviorism. said it. Dude, like, I laughed about it. I joked about it when someone was just like, I would call me. They couldn't figure my name and they yelled Blind Side and I fucking turned around, smiled, all that kind of stuff. Like, Deep down, I wanted a Spartan kick him in the chest. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but th- but because again, and this is probably because I, I'm I'm all about extreme ownership. Like, it's my fault. It is a hundred percent my fault. I allowed that. I know that if it was someone else, they wouldn't have done that type of shit. But I allowed that. I, I created this, if you want to call it prison or whatever that I'm in, and wow, and God. now I'm at a point where I don't feel worthy enough to be a part of the fight <laughs> that's where i am right now i'm trying to find this image um uh to show you exactly how you were feeling w- that you described a little bit ago but it's a famous civil rights image which i think google's up to something i can't google this shit right now yeah but um there's this image of that that young black guy and he's being teased and he's like at a restaurant bar or something of course there's tons of those images, but this one for some reason is really popular. Like they're like ruffling his hair or something. He's kind of smiling, kind of mm-hmm. taking it like he's being teased, but yeah. they're really right on the edge of jumping him and beating him up. Yeah. Like that's how you feel when you're doing that. You know what I mean? And um, it's like day to day, that feeling is how a lot of black males yeah. feel every, every single day. It, and like how you're feeling. It, it does also like I can see it It again. It's maybe I'm using it to explain a lot of other things too, but like it makes me think of those moments where if we go to a restaurant or something like that, and I know that it's a restaurant I'm doing my like air quotes where people wouldn't think we would belong there. Do you know what I mean? Like if it's like a high end restaurant, if I go to like a restaurant where it's one where it's like, I would, imagine people are like oh that's interesting seeing a black guy in, in here do you know what uh-huh. i'm saying 
Yeah. Like I make it a point to spend way more money than I showed out there. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's part of the, and I'm a pretty, I consider myself a pretty frugal person, but like that's some of the shit that like, it's like it comes in and it, and it, you know, it comes in and then it goes away and it comes in and it goes away. Mm -hmm. But like, I get this like temporary weird satisfaction from it from actually like showing out or something. And it's like, God damn, because if I would have spent what they, and here's the thing, we always have to outwork more. We do. Yeah. Like that's what it is. We have to work 10 times harder. Like, and I don't care what anyone says, like we have to work there because the moment, uh, that, that we fuck up, we're always one mistake away. We are always one mistake away. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it should be dumbed down. I don't like when people go through and make mistakes repeatedly, but I just say, hold us all to the same standard. Like if, if, if I'm one mistake away, make this motherfucker one mistake away and just have it be like that. But don't let me get talking about that. But you know, with it being that way, dude, it's, it's, it's fucking hard. Like it, it it explains all the different things I've, I've done in Mm -hmm. the name a feeling like I need to be able to keep up on top of even my own culture. Like we're like, we're about per- performing, if you will. Like, that's the thing. Like if you're, if you know it, if, if there's any Nigerians listening, it's like it, our parents expect a lot, a lot out of us. So you couple that with the, any sort of pressures or something that you get and you wind up with a very, I don't want to call it like self-destructive, but I guess you could call it self-destructive behavior. And now I'm just like, I need to find something to save me from myself here. I don't know. Well, I, and, and I've talked about, I talked about in the last podcast and I've talked about him before, but um, right now, man, like I feel like you're at an impasse and it seems like you've got all this shit. Like your, your, your eyes are open and you've got all this shit and, and these feelings and you don't know exactly what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're pulling you in lots of different directions. Yeah. Dude, read, sit down and read some fucking Michel Foucault. Mm-hmm. Sit around and read that motherfucker's philosophy on systems of power, um, things of that nature. And it, it goes a long way to really break it down in non non pathos based terms. It's not, it's not something that's going to elicit further, um, uh, I guess, angst on your part. It's more of a thing for you to, to help you. I don't want to say compartmentalize, but like lay everything out and have a place for everything. Yeah, I guess it is compartmentalized, yeah, but yeah, yeah it, 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 his, his way of explaining social systems and the power structure is it, it goes a long way for looking at it objectively and, and helping you dial back the, the pathos such that you can, again, you can move forward in a positive fucking way because, and, and I say positive, I know that's a very relative fucking thing. I know that's super relative. And I know that in your mind, you're like, I should be doing way fucking more. I don't have the goddamn right to like, I get it. Like, I know you, you're one of my dearest fucking friends and I know that you've placated bullshit for a while. And Mm -hmm. then I know that you feel like if you all of a sudden, if Kalu, after placating bullshit for all this time, if he steps to the forefront and it was like, it's like, okay, this is fucking enough that you, you 
to yourself might view that as you being like, well, I don't have, I don't have the clout to be saying that yeah, at this point. That's, that's but, where I am. But, but can I say, and, and you know, I've never been one to fucking patty cake bullshit you. Honestly, it, you are the very person to step forward and say this is fucking enough. Mm-hmm. Right. You are the delivery motherfucking mechanism. If the cat this entire time that everybody has felt comfortable with their little fringe bullshit all of a sudden it's like, look, guys, enough is fucking enough. It, yeah. I think I think it will force some self-reflection. I don't mm. think that that's problematic at all. And I don't think that you have anything to fucking worry about as far as how you have had to navigate the system up until this point or how you felt like you've had right. to navigate the system. Because me and Mark don't know what it's like to grow up like first generation immigrant right. family, Nigerian we don't know what that shit's like, mm. like drifting between two worlds again with with my off white, racially ambiguous ass. I could lightweight drift in and out of most social scenes unscathed. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? My home. Oh, yeah. A lot of different ones. Oh, yeah. If, and, if you and wanted to. For real. And, and honestly, it, I mean, my home, if I'm honest, my home overwhelmingly resides with the black community for whatever fucking reason it just does. But, uh, so I, that's been familiar to me. I mean, I grew up Jehovah's witness too. And you know, y'all know a lot of Jehovah's witnesses is black folks. Like it, mm-hmm. it was yeah. the woman who babysat me from like an early age, like rest in peace, Lisa Mack, one of the greatest human beings. Like I, 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 it it was part of who I was from fucking day one to see it and be a part of it and participate in it. And, uh, so, so that's a luxury in a sense, especially as somebody that passes as a human being that passes, I have realized that I don't serve the cause walking around fucking flying my freak flag with my dreadlocks and shit and having stickers all over my car. I serve, I serve the cause better if I dial it back and then I'm on the inside making moves and helping as many people as I possibly fucking can. And I use my privilege because it's not just white privilege. It's, there's light skin fucking privilege. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's lightweight a caste system in the United States on yeah. certain levels. Yeah. But I use my privilege in that fucking way. But I, I, again, I have, I have the luxury of drifting between those two worlds and you, my friend, unfortunately are almost being forced to choose Mm. and you're not being forced to choose by black folks either. Because black, black folks, black folks has been with Kalu. Like you're like, yeah, Kalu come fuck with us. Like, I mean, I know it. I'm sure you've encountered your issues with mother. Like, Oh, he, he ain't really black. He's, he's African, whatever. Yeah. But, but it's not the same thing. You're not living the, the social expectations with you being a 30 something year old fucking man. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. normative baseline social expectations are entirely placed upon the people that have said the friendship to you, expected you to behave a certain way that is incongruent with who you are identity wise. Yeah, man. So that's... my friends would call me, man, the ones that, you know, once, especially since around 2013 and beyond, when I started taking my older brother's advice on that, man, they'll call me and be like, Hey, Mark, 
is this the Cronus complex? And they'll like explain some shit to me. They yeah. did or said, and I'll be like, nah, man, that's cool. You just, you know, and I'll be serious because they, they respect it. They're like, man, I, I do this a lot. Or I didn't know that that, you know, was a thing operating in me. And I really do have a fear of, you know, if my daughter came home with the black guy and then I had grandbabies, I'd love those grandbabies, but I never even considered it. You know, I never even considered it having kids like that. And what I'm saying is you'll come full circle and you're, you won't lose any friends or anything, but, but like, you know, what you're going through, I think every black male goes through in his teens, man, to be honest, usually in his teen years. Yeah. Dog. And they, they got to, you know, you, you, you'll come full circle. You won't lose who you are. You know, you'll still be Kalu, but you'll be richer for the experience. If that makes sense. Hmm. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it it, it does it does well, make sense. And but it it, it, and and I'm gonna be honest with you, and I touched on it earlier. Like, um, Mark said, you won't lose friends, and that's true because if if something alters drastically as a, a result of you asserting boundaries and your personal identity, then that motherfucker wasn't your friend to begin with. To be honest yeah. with you, but what could Right. And it's very, very likely to happen is that you have a lot of white people that are afraid to say fucking anything. Yeah. That's what I, you know, that's what I and think that's happening. And they, and they want us and they want to, t- it, we got to be careful in setting boundaries that we don't create an environment where white people just tell you what they think you want to hear or don't say yes, what they the really worst. fucking mean. That's that is it. It is. It's it's a much more pervasive version of decay, in my opinion. I Me think too. say I that think one more time. Say that one more time. It's a much more pervasive version of decay to do and what? to to have um, white people. I, I don't want to say walking on eggshells because we're it, it, offering people their humanity is not basic humanity is not walking on eggshells. But when you've got white people that are ignorant and they want to test boundaries or they want to ask questions or they want to express viewpoints so that those viewpoints can can be put through the grinder so to speak even if not by us but by you know anybody else they're afraid to say anything and they're afraid of getting canceled they're afraid of being labeled a racist and being ostracized from their peer group whatever um, and that's a problematic fucking thing as well. So it's a delicate line for us to walk in facilitating open discussion, but also at the same time, like if somebody says something off color, you just straight up look them in the eye and be like, yo, if I'm honest, that was some fuck shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I still and, haven't found a, uh, uh, how to do it healthily. Last time I did it, I, I invited a guy across the street. I invited him to clock out of work and let's talk about it at the park. So yeah. I, haven't got good, I haven't even got good at the shit. And he called me just the other day. He hit me up on LinkedIn just the other day, checking in on me. And it was, I don't know, it was before the protests and stuff had started. But And I was thinking about him at the same time, too. But I was just, I couldn't take it. I was like, yo, the color commentary has got to come down. He set his milkshake down. We we're sitting in me at my boss's office. I was like, you know, I'm going to say this one part. And depending on what you say next, we might have to continue the conversation, you know, down the street. I don't mess with no guys check, you know, because mm-hmm. if something pops off race, the white guy's always going to lose. I don't yeah. mess. I don't want no guy to get fired or nothing like that. But let's 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 both clock out. 
and make sure that we we on the same page. But he was cool about it. He was damn man, but he was from Russellville. He's a little bit used to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A, a little bit used to like getting away with more of that down there. You know, in, in county school, like what I teach you about, like at Greenwood, like they get away with me. Bowling Green was super, super inclusive and super diverse. Bowling Green doesn't doesn't like play that shit. You know what I mean? You get mm. you get. I'm talking about high school because yeah, yeah. It, that's what he and I would would always teach each other about. He went to high school maybe a year behind me, but he played and we'd always kick their ass in football and shit. You know, <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, and he's still one of my good buddies now. But we had to level set, dude. It was so worth it, so really? worth it because I like I like a good. Hey, Mark, how many? cups of sugar do I put in my Kool-Aid kind of joke. I love that shit. I crack mm-hmm. up at that. I don't mind that, but it's just you need to know I'll bust you in the mouth. You can't be that comfortable. Yeah. You need to know that I'm, I'm and that's cool. And it, it always works out. And it's uh, it's not my nature, really. You know, I'm usually more a little bit more chill about like that. But boy, taking my brother's advice because he works at, you know, Country Evan Bakery he's been there 20 years or something. But he's like, yeah, you know, that you're in the working world. You got to establish that right away and you will feel so much better about yourself. And you'll get, you know, people coming up to you sometimes that just honestly want to ask a, a hard to ask question. And that's good, man. If they can do that, that's good. That means they yeah. understand right and everything because you don't want people doing what you're doing. You don't want them capitulating around you or trying to, like Chris just said, trying to throw niceties out there. stuff. So, nah, man, let's get to the bottom of that. Like David Chappelle said in his uh, Mark Twain award or whatever, let's just talk about it. You'd be surprised how much better you feel. And everyone is not, there's not that much differences. You know what yeah. I mean? You just have a slightly different angle. You come at something, but you're still putting mustard on your sandwich the same way as me. It ain't, it ain't that big a deal. And then that leaves an open avenue to talk about the real shit. You can get yeah. real past the superficial and that's that's the other thing too you know i i was thinking the other day and then all of a sudden i get a uh, a text from one of my friends but um it's it just seems like just mattering is not good enough it's it's not it's not enough mm-hmm. um you know and then he sends me this picture he says it's, it's someone that's saying that has uh it says it actually that's funny he says Matter is the minimum is what he says. Right. And he says black lives are, are worthy. Black lives are beloved. Black lives are needed. Like we have to be able to take it uh, like many, right. many, many extra steps. That's right. That's right. And so now you got to ask if all of those criteria that you just listed, where do they come from? If me and you were putting someone through the grind and me, you and Chris, what would I, what would we say to them? And this is where I get ran out of room because black people, it's, again, our psychology is yeah. fucked up and we don't want to hear accountability you would stuff. Say, but- you would yes. say you're worthless. Well, <laughs> you would say you're everything and nothing at the same time. Well, philosophically, I, yes. I'm yeah. what I would say before that is those feelings come from within you. Yeah. Like if if Black Lives Matter, like I know every no one wants to hear it because people who say this are usually coming from a different angle when they say, well, first they got to matter to you, but that is the truth. They have yeah. to matter. Just like you tell someone in a relationship, I can't love you more than you love yourself. That if you've dude, got confidence. Issues, you just said it perfectly then, right then there. We're going to always have problems. Yep. And, and I say this, I can't remember what episode I first said this in, but this is, this come, this does come down to, um, to ownership. I can't properly love you if you don't know what there is to love about yourself. If you don't know how to love yourself, I cannot love you. Mm -hmm. And I wonder 
if that same thing does apply to the black community, how do we love ourselves better? We've well, got we to support the support small businesses. We, yes, we do have to uh, like understand our psychology. We do well, have to take care not, of each other a lot better. You're not going to support small businesses until you have the mind for economic solidarity. Yeah, so I'm well, not yeah. just saying that to throw out the philosophical. I'm, I'm serious. I don't see an answer. That's why guys that are in my line of perspective on this, we always land on that knowledge of self area. And some people think it's like, like, like uh, what you call a woo woo shit, but it's it's come from examining this for a long period of time. It seems to be that that is the thing that we lost. So if we were to ask anything of white people, that's why I always ask. I don't I don't I don't really need much other than complete honesty because it's like being in a, a relationship where you're being led on. That's exactly what it's like. Actually, yeah, you're being led on. We've been in an abusive relationship right now and the physical abuse have, has stopped, but we still live in the same house and we still ha- have all the behaviors of a person that's that's PTSD from from um, um, physical abuse and no one's talking about it. So the way we carry on is the same way we carried on in Jim Crow. We serve the power structure that conquered us. We do it through consumption now. You can yeah. be as black as you want, as long as black is defined by fucking Nikes Thank and Timberland boots. You said it perfectly that. there. So how do you get your mind back? Watch what will happen if we stop putting money and start moving like other communities who have their mind. Because for me, the only difference we see in them is, is that they have their they still have their mind. You see, you heard it said before, have you ever seen a Mexican person begging on the street? Never. You've never seen a panhandling Mexican person. It's kind of funny. You never seen a panhandling Chinese person. What if what is it that they've got? It looks like just pride, you know, mm. at first cultural pride, but it that shit matters more. That's what was taken from us. That family. Yeah. That's what that is something that they and have. So how do you get that back? Well, you got to start with babies and education. So that's what the white power structure owes us. It's honest history, specialized and honest education. Hmm. And the rest will correct itself, in my in my opinion. But why would I finance? This is what Dr. Umar Johnson uh, is spectacular. At. Why would I finance a revolution against me? You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Why would I? Yeah, absolutely. The, the best thing for that abused spouse to do is actually leave me, divorce me, and take what she owes me, which is more than half of everything in the house. I ain't gonna bring that part up. You get what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's it is it's very like reminiscent of the dance between the the uh, narcissist and the codependent where we Mm -hmm. have like and and they pander to different demographics, roughly half of the population in either direction, depending. But they pander to different people. And it's just like this abusive shit. And then they come back and then they make all these promises and tell us everything's going to be okay. And we're so grateful for the semi return to normalcy that we get goddamn complacent about this shit. Yeah. But, but, but something that is fascinating and, and you know, it, it clue. I don't know if you've read it yet, Mark, but in the redneck, redneck manifesto, it speaks a lot about brain drain in communities, the term brain drain, meaning that whenever people I would liken it to the term when people are lauding the idea of getting out like, oh, he made it out like he's he went off to Purdue and he's doing well and he made it out. Mm -hmm. And that that same thing transpires with lower SES rural white communities on a huge scale whereby people 
that should be turning around. They should be turning around. And I say should, you know, I'm telling an individual what they should fucking do with their life. But in in a perfect world, these folks would turn around and reinvest in their community. And then over time, that community proliferates and does better. And then you don't have the fragmentation. You don't have like food deserts. And, and, and those are things that are common in both rural environments and urban environments. Food deserts are a problematic motherfucking thing. And you are basically, especially in both of those environments, one is not isolated so much and one is very isolated. But one thing that's that's held in common with both of them is that they have to, with the exception of, I guess, like people that do agriculture and shit, they have to outsource everything. They have to go outside of their community to go and get their shit. And it's a very disempowering fucking thing. And it's a cycle and, it, and it's a normative fucking thing. Instead of thinking, okay, how do we get this here so we don't have to fucking go? And, and it's even a practicality thing. It even goes beyond just that notion of like, let's invest in black, the black community or black businesses. It's, it's, it's investing in the, the, your locality. It's mm. investing in where you fucking live in general, regardless yeah. of your color. Yeah. And and I think that that's something that people can really hold on to instead of getting caught up in uh, black community, white community, whatever. Um, the people that we're speaking to, it's not, in my opinion, problematic to tell a overwhelmingly white, low SES, rural population of white people, yo, invest in your shit like you all mount up and invest in your shit and then in the same breath tell the black community to do the same thing like yeah and it's entirely just based upon locality at that point but there's so many more motherfucking layers on top of it the personal kalu has always been so big on personal accountability but and i think that personal accountability is why i'm pretty sure and I can't remember who, maybe you posted the meme or something like that. Why I'm pretty sure that some some white people cannot talk about white privilege or, or, or carry on like it doesn't exist. It's because they can't admit that they didn't amount to shit. Well, like, dog. Yeah, I did post that shit. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to believe in white privilege that you have amounted to so little regardless. And, and I sit there and that, I think of the stuff that I have and I think of like the money that I make and, and how all the, like having to do all this and getting to where I am behind the backdrop of all this other shit. Can you like if you some days I, I wonder how much different my life would be if I was white, if I had a little bit of generational man, wealth. Entirely. If man, I had some be, of these look, other things, you'd my be life, fucking golfing somewhere. Oh right my yeah, god! Yeah, my life, bro, bro. I'm I'm not that far away from being what would some consider white, and and there's a gulf, and I've seen yeah. the gulf. I've gotten to the edge of it and been like, holy shit! There is a great big old sea of difference between me and somebody that's zipping around with a Lacoste polo tucked into their little short shorts, swinging yeah. a catalyst. Like if I did have that generational wealth, like I say, Callaway, Cal- Callaway, Callaway, yeah. yeah, that's what it is, or Titleist, but yeah, uh, um, if I, I, if I had those together. things, man, it would be insane. 
It would be absolutely insane. Yeah, but you would be blind as fuck. Dude. I'd be so, dude, I would be, if I was blind as a black person, y'all wouldn't hear shit about me. I'd, I'd probably be like, what are y'all mad about? That's yeah. serious. Yeah, I, I, out of desperation to, you know, see see my brother feeling better, would a trip to an Atlanta strip club help? Oh, my God. My sister lives in Atlanta. Atlanta like, strip hey. clubs. Look, I, I swear to God, I'd probably start crying if I saw Killer Mike. <laughs> Killer Mike wouldn't even like me. You know he's Killer in Mike there. Like, yeah. Oh, I know he is. He's That's a short it. little four-hour drive, man. I, I I think we should do that before the summer's out, man. Shoot down. Do you like <laughs> I've never been you know to a Oh, God. Like, I just... But, but I, I think, Kalu, honest to God, I think you're as much... As you're feeling right now, I think that out of the three of us that's sitting here on this fucking program with me and Mark being kind of historically jaded. I mean, Kalu, since you've fucking known me, I've been like kind of like this, like the white man has been oppressing Mm -hmm. and subjugating people like and I've known you for a fucking while. I think out of out of the three of us, I think, honestly, if anybody has the most objective credibility to speak to the white community, it's you and be like, look, guys, this isn't about hate. This isn't about controlling language. I want you to feel comfortable, honestly communicating with me. But I'm telling you that X, Y and Z are not hoaxes. I'm here to mm-hmm. tell you that. And if you care about me, well, because, and if you care about black people, then you'll then you'll. Take yeah. Note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, the life clues led so far has not all been, you know, contrived and in response to, you know, in an effort to capitulate or coming from the upbringing he did or the part of town it's also part of Kalu being a nice person you know what i mean being a, a person that cares about people that matters a lot i'm a introverted so I'll, I'll run out of energy for for doing that so and on top of that my kind of compassion or niceness or whatever doesn't go that far i'm i'm like if you give me a billion dollars i'm gonna pay off all my debt all the debt of everyone i know all my friends school loans and stuff like that and help them get their first house but i'm out like mm-hmm. you ain't, i ain't fucking with a lot of shit if i if i could get away you know what i mean kalu would still be wanting to help people and everything you know what i mean yeah. i'd be in the background so that's another reason um that you know it you you are the right one to to kind of get that wake up call and you know because it'll be you'll do the right thing with it you know you've got it dog i mean and it's a big responsibility but it and we, yeah. we're not we're not here to fill your head with bullshit but the i'm conflict, just so fucking tired the, man I, I know you are but you gotta you gotta find your center however you need to go about finding your center and you need to realize that you're the chosen one <laughs> god you know the speaking of ones i was all i was watching um the matrix today and um you know i was one gonna of the things, invoke golden child but continue uh, well, <laughs> I, I, want things, I want the knife i want one of the uh things that i thought was pretty interesting that i think that could be applied to um to the whole discussion and when white people asked, like, what can we do to help? It, it was kind of like, um, like Neo's story. Like, Neo didn't become the one because the Oracle told him that he was or he wasn't going to be. Do you know what I'm saying? He wasn't the one because Morpheus said he's going to be the one or anything. He became the one because he believed 
that he could be the one. And I'm not trying to sound like corny and shit like that, but I think that if you truly believe in your effort to try and, and remedy what's going on, then I think that everyone's going to see your true intention. I think that it's not going to, if you are asking a question to a black person about race, about anything like that, if you believe that, like, if you believe in, in, you're wanting to solve a problem, you're wanting to be able to, um, learn or whatever, then I think that there's also a level of vulnerability in there. You have to be willing to be vulnerable and, I think by by doing something like that, it might help with a little bit of this. And, and I, I'm, I'm connecting this to me because, like, I've been repeating, I'm fucking tired and I'm, I don't know what to believe in, especially when it comes to believing in myself, because I I just don't feel like I the whole time I've been myself, I, you know. And so that's yeah. where I don't know what it's going to take for me yeah, to find. And- that thing to believe in again. It, it may be a little bit, you know, I don't know to say that you, you can get that quickly, but I think you can, you can get that quickly. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. That's just my sort of robotic systems way of thinking. I think I got the, the right little, you know, cog to plug into any situation because what you're talking about, I remember when I felt that, Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I remember being a sophomore in high school and then my older brother's like, oh, he's going through. I'm telling you, that's another big thing, too. Coming up, growing up as a regular, just African-American male, a typical one like me, with older brothers, all of the men around you know when it comes. Like, oh, you just you just met your first racist baseball coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, they know what you're feeling. And I literally had older brothers and uncles and stuff. I still have the books on my shelf right now that would literally hand me a book. This is the one that explains what you're going through. This is the one. It only take a couple. Then you got it. When I was when I started like feeling some kind of way junior year about Christianity and shit, like mm-hmm. seriously about it, it was the messianic legacy. My brother mm-hmm. handed it to me, and I never had a problem with it again. Before that, when I was feeling that other kind of way, it was really mo- it was all my friends because all I've always been an intellectual. All my friends are asking me like, "Is it going to be the end of the world in 2000 Mark? I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> but uh, my 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 brother handed me the message to the black man which every black man should read by Eliza Muhammad. It's do you can read it in the afternoon and you're like, Oh, I got it. Cause mm-hmm. you hear someone that is serious about that describe like, here's the phenomena. Here's where they started. And here's how they persist and they prevail in your day to day life. And here's why you have to invoke that identity and keep that in your heart. Always, you know, you can be the man you want to be after that, but you, you'll be like, okay, like I'll go through one of the arcs that I'm going through now. The next arc for me is I'm going to have to eventually face the fact that if I want the kind of freedom that I really want to exercise my talents and stuff, I can't do it working for somebody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like you'll go through these, these arcs like that over and over in different, you know, different stages of your life. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that we need to make the acknowledgement that, um, Part of this movement forward and like solidarity across it, it, it coming down to class solidarity and the fact that they're they play poor people against poor people and struggling people against struggling people. And it, it's all part of the goddamn equation. But acknowledging that. Um, yes, low SES whites um, relative to low SES blacks possess privilege. 
but they've largely had their third eye fucking deliberately gouged out every mm-hmm. fucking chance that the status quo has is to snatch that motherfucking third eye out of the low SES white community. So there may ultimately come a time where the black community has a responsibility and the black community only has a a responsibility to they fucking self at this point, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's the only group that they should be accountable to is improving themselves and demanding humanity on their part. But there may come a time where the black community has to reach back to that group of low SES whites that have been deliberately fucking blinded, gutted, subjugated themselves. And and told to shut up because at least they aren't black. (laughs) At least they're not fucking black. But, man, it's hard to believe in white privilege when all you've done is fucking struggle and be white and be yeah. called white trash and shit. And they're really ultimately kind of, it, it seems like a likely scenario that black folks will achieve and proliferate before low SES whites will. That seems mm-hmm. like the most likely fucking scenario. And that will be an ongoing issue to try and continue to play low SES whites against the black community as it is successful. So part of the equation may entail very much black, the black community when it is possible investing in low SES white communities and being like, listen, I know what it's fucking like. That's why we're in the position that we're in. I'm here to bridge this gap. Let's make this fucking work as a group. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's a pie in the sky, like decades on down the road, best case scenario kind of thing. But it's a very real possibility that the black community will have to reach back to poor whites once the black community is successful and be like, yo, we hadn't forgotten about you. That's, you that's where the power is, I think. I think that ju- just like you know, we've always said the 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 with with great power comes responsibility. And I think that as we continue to get more power. I think that we need to like we really, really need to focus on being as responsible as possible with that power. Now, America is starting to listen. But the next phase is is the phase that I'm the most concerned about is who's what? going to step up. How are we going to be able to, you know, uh, harness all of this energy towards something truly, truly positive and something that will make lasting change? Because I do feel that the some of the changes that are made are they're just feel good changes like we talked about oh, in our yeah. crazy uncle joe episode like okay renaming the the street black black lives matter boulevard like and it being able to be seen from space in my opinion it's an it's, insult it's, it's an a insult. fucking insult it's the same thing as like graffitiing someone's uh, like uh, house or something like that because i know that the road leads up to the white house and it's like okay what do you fucking prove what do you what do you get we're well, see, that's why I, I come in with my still. troublesome mm-hmm. perspective. It, it It is an insult, but it's an insult just as much as it's an insult to tell a 10 year old that the tooth fairies who put that dollar underneath their pillow. You see what it I mean? The tooth fairy. Yeah, it's because it's that it's at that level that we're making yeah. a plea. You get it's, you 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 play uh, silly games, you get silly rewards. Yeah. If black people stop running, stop running around telling everybody, please be nice to me. Please treat me better and say, you know what? 
I'm going to treat me better. I'm going to treat I'm gonna, better. Yeah. We're going to burn down every liquor store in Compton, not just the Target, because we, we don't. it ain't doing us no good. We've been self-medicating this way for a long time. We're going to keep on killing each other. Well, we might as well just stay. We might as well just self-isolate inside of the American experiment. And then a boulevard doesn't matter because now mm-hmm. we start to put our money towards something and yeah. we take all the money we use to feel better about ourselves and consume and we put it toward um, an education system that we curate. Man. Just like Chinese and Jewish people do. They, they go, it's, it's that extra school on Saturday. They, they go you know? extra school on Saturday. Exactly. We're not asking you to teach my kids. I'm just saying my kid is going to be there minus this many hours a week because I need to teach him because he's, uh, we've got to create these little human beings that have a healthy psychology and not one that is only desperate to identify and realize, actualize itself based on the degree to which we can consume. That's my identity. I'm a black person doing well, just like what Chris just described. I'm I'm that guy with no my little cousin just asked me today if he could come stay and go to school. And I know that I can't stand to be around anybody enough because I'm exhausted from going to work every day and dealing with what Kalu just described. Mm-hmm. So it's like, damn, I can't even give back if I wanted to. Well, a good form of reparations for me would be subsidize that circumstance if you're very serious about it. But just like I said, that would be subsidizing their own undoing and they won't do that. But yeah, you get a boulevard when you do silly shit because we didn't ha- we don't have to step outside at all. Let the young people do that. But if we really want to make an impact, we could do it quietly and indirectly through our political and financial actions by taking our stop buying goddamn orange juice. Well, and think about the symbolism that's involved with, and I forget who said it, but the correlation between a place being named like a street being Martin Luther King Boulevard and the violent crime rate or whatever, whatever statistic you want to throw in there, Mm -hmm. that there's a correlation between a Martin Luther King Boulevard, wherever the fuck in the United States that may be, and it being a, uh, a rundown crime riddled area of town. And I think there's a lot of symbolism there because it's like, Oh, here's some feel good shit. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we named this street after y'all's person, yep. but, but we have done nothing meaningful to invest in your proliferation. And, and Mike is right. Like, I, I don't know what it's like. And I, I have a hard time because I don't know what it's like to even give a fuck about like, what color my kids or grandkids ever will be, you know, like it's part of, it's part of what I am as a, I I guess my racial identity, my ethnic identity as a Melungeon is like, yo, let's throw some more, let's throw a little bit of this in there or whatever. I don't know what it's like to think about being absorbed basically, you know, like, like you're, you're white and, and, and it's okay. Like, I'm going to say it's okay. It's okay to be proud of your heritage. Mm-hmm. Being proud of being white just for the sake of proud to be in white is just being proud that you ain't something else. Yeah. But, and, the, and the reason why people are proud to be black is because the identity was stripped. Like I know, I say that I'm proud to be Nigerian more than anything because I know where the fuck I come from. And when you have yeah. other people like you don't see Chinese saying, I'm proud to be Asian. No, they Listen. say exactly where they come from. Yeah, exactly. Listen, exactly. Listen, no, don't let someone trick you. Like, of course, it's OK to be. It doesn't even matter if it is at some 
intellectual or philosophical level stupid for guys like us who think at that level of clarity, if you will. No, it's okay to in, to 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 indulge in all those different levels of animalistic, whatever, tribal. Nothing's wrong with that. What's wrong with it is if you lay that all out and like line it up in categories, there's one group in the human family that cannot do that. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough time on the planet or enough resources where they originate from or enough culture to, and so their their culture is expansion and yeah. conquering. You see what I mean? If mm-hmm. you come from that part of Northwestern Europe, you ain't got no other options. Everybody else got a fly place they can stay at. They don't have to leave. To Africa does not have to fuck with any other con- continent. It has everything that every other continent has and more. It can sustain mm-hmm. itself alone. You have to come to Mother Africa to get exotic resources, et cetera, et cetera. All the other people, because they, in my opinion, have been on the planet a much longer time, have already established that the European people that conquered the Western world are have, they have an identity crisis themselves. If you guys read- It's like Iceman a teenager. Her- yes. If you guys read the Iceman Heritage, he talks about that as part of his definition. There is uh, a identity crisis in the, in the mind of the Cronus complex. That's part of the problem. Everyone else is okay with their identity, but. Hmm. And, that, and, and again, no, no. Okay. okay cool. And again, that that's not to discount. Like we, we very much talk about a very specific phenomenon because that very specific phenomenon is what affects us here in the United States. But that's uh-huh. not to discount the vast, like beautiful, but also tragic and violent and brutal menagerie of different manifestations of inhumanity and humanity that has not necessarily been based upon expansion, but still been based upon brutality. I mean, there are areas of the world where women are far, far, far more subjugated than they are in the United States. And they have been for fucking tens of thousands of goddamn years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so anybody that's listening, don't get caught up in this idea that it's like, ever a witch hunt it's an acknowledgement and i talked to my friend bobby truth and reconciliation yes truth and fucking reconciliation and i talked to my friend bobby and and bobby's an avid listener of the show he's been listening to it a whole lot and bobby is proud to be a white person and bobby will tell you whatever the fuck you whatever he thinks or whatever but he has been absolutely fascinated when by by not only mark but by the the concept of the cronus complex because he was like Dude, holy shit, that's fucking me. Like mm-hmm. that is that is fucking me. And and the fact that I've got a man, a 40-year-old, 41-year-old man, just it clicking in his mind. Now he's the kind of person that's willing to be wrong. And he's the kind of person that's willing to say some shit and hash it out with us. And I'd like to have him on a show at some point because he's kind of a fearless ass white dude, and that's a rare thing when it comes to conversations like this. I'm sorry, no offense to white dudes, but uh, I'd like to have him on the show to talk about it because he he never knew that that's what was going on, but he always knew something was going on. And then whenever Mark put a term to it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then we talked about, you know, the Iceman's inheritance and how the Cronus Complex is a little bit like uh, a, a, a term that, that we use because it's, it's kind of a fly, but it has right. a, a little bit more of a pejorative element 
off jump a little bit more if you're like I think you got so. a complex. I, I, but, yeah, I think so. And I, I think I think that um, Michael Bradley meant for it to, but it also may be part of why he abandoned abandoned that terminology because well, it, it it was it was the author's uh terminology and some reason he said it kept getting mixed with something else i guess so he just i forgot why he stopped using well, bobby that. liked it yeah Bobby's, bobby bobby said he preferred the term cronus complex because it yeah. allowed him a little bit more clarity in addressing and making sense of his own ideas and behaviors yeah but he, but again this isn't this isn't some regular motherfucker. Like he's he's looking for answers about some shit. But yeah. yeah. All right. I want to um I wanna each sort of take a take a second and I really do want to get an idea of if if people haven't caught on through all that we have said, what can people do to to help make this better, to help bring further understanding and put us even more on the path uh towards something that I'm not going goddamn crazy about and getting depressed over. Who wants first? Yeah, you gotta have to state that again unless Chris unless Chris got it the first time. I didn't get it. Uh well honestly um as far as what and and we're talking about people in general. Or you can say um, what what can white people do? What can anyone do? Just Yeah it, it, white people um more so than anybody because white people hold <clears throat> more cards. Mm-hmm. You hold more power and with more power comes more responsibility. And I'm pretty sure it's a white dude that invented that term. So just, or that phrase. So just keep ben. that in mind. Keep it, it was <laughs> Uncle Ben. <laughs> when he was they making that ass. delicious ass rice, he was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> no, no, from Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Peter That's Parker's right. uncle. Man. That's why I said they killed his ass. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, but the, the the first thing is, I'm not telling you to acknowledge your privilege necessarily. First, I acknowledge my privilege, and I'm not as white as you are. If you're listening, and this is relevant to you, I'm not as Caucasian as you are, but I acknowledge my privilege, and I use my privilege to the advantage of people that are less privileged than I am. Okay. And that applies across the board. So always check yourself. But, um, on top of that, realize that as you don't feel like that you're part of the, uh, of the white community and you really ain't part of the big club that is the most problematic thing, but, uh, white people are powerful and they hold the most cards. So understand that God damn it. You know, we could really use the assistance. And part of that is we need you all to quit running around goddamn conquering and building and turning and burning and cashing checks and all uh, that shit, that mindset. It, it's not time for that yet. We, we, we have to clean up some messes before we start building a gazebo outside. The house is fucked up. Why are we building a gazebo? You imagine the gazebo if you had everyone working together on it. Well, and and you know what I'm saying? Just imagine those things that uh, currently are built through exploitation and 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 all that kind of shit. Imagine if everyone had a say in how these things worked. If imagine if it was a accurate representation of America as it should be. 
Oh, yeah. And and Mark's on to something when he says that municipalities need to be incentivized in accordance with quality of life. How we measure and quantify quality of life of our citizenry, not this winner take all wild, wild west fucking bullshit, because Mm -hmm. all it does, it doesn't ultimately if you've got billions of fucking dollars, there's no way that you can. A human being cannot fathomably enjoy billions of dollars. It's just not possible. You, you could leave it to multiple generations and they wouldn't be able. There's no amount of, of, of personal like stimulation that you can receive with that that you can't receive with much, 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 much fucking less than that. So I need white people to stop imbibing in this fucking system of competition and identity based on uh, vocation and social position, stop participating in it. Stop shaking hands and kissing fucking babies. Stop being friends with problematic fucking people. Stop giving problematic people passes because, oh, well, he's friends with my dad or he's a good guy. I have beer with him. And I'm not talking about canceling people. I'm just talking about call them on their fucking shit and call them on their shit every fucking time. Yeah. But... But but that's what you can do is 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 refocus. Don't get do not. We have an opportunity. We've been afforded clarity for a brief fucking moment, if we want to call it that. But do not allow it. People get pissed off about the new normal or whatever. Don't allow yourself to fall back into that shit, because I'll say one mundane ass little thing that seems that, that correlates in my mind. I spent a good amount of time in Germany. And Germany did things in a beautiful fucking way. I mean, everything was clean. They uh, they recycled goddamn everything. Recycling bins were the size of our trash cans, and their trash cans were the size of our recycling bins. Everybody had a compost heap. Um, but uh, in in Germany, you're much more mindful about your waste, what you mm-hmm. purchase. Um, because of the recycling based system, it, it, I got back from Germany and I stayed in that mindset for two months where I, as I far didn't, as recycling and stuff. It, yeah. Living, living where I'm like, okay, I, when I go to the grocery store, I'm going to purchase things deliberately based upon the ratio of like sustenance to, and nutrition to how recyclable this shit is and how potentially wasteful the packing material is that lasted two months for me. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I have said straight up, fuck it. And I, mm-hmm. and I wish I could say I'm ashamed of myself, but I don't even fucking have the energy to be ashamed of myself. So I know how people are fucking feeling about all of this. Like, how can I give a fuck about what happens to some other struggling motherfucker, I, whether they be white or black when I've got all this other shit going on. It's it's by counting your fucking blessings and understanding that by virtue of you even being able to sit around and contemplate that kind of stuff instead of living it, that you are in a position of power and you do have influence that you need to put towards um, helping subjugated folks because it's been too fucking long. It's time. Hmm. So that's all I have to say about that. All right, Mark, where you got, man? You're going to have to restate it for me, please. I said, what can 
what can white people do? What can just everyone do in general to get us to a point where we can actually or continue the energy, have some kind of sustainable change and just keep ourselves in the attitude of constant improvement and hopefully put me in a position where I'm not so goddamn depressed all the time. Okay. Yeah. White people is a little easier to answer. Fair um, 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 the, what white people can do is ask questions and be completely honest about how you feel. Um, hopefully you can find someone that you're close to, uh, that's serious and can help address and answer those questions for you and have that conversation. Other than that, there's not much more else you, you need to do in my, in my opinion. Um, because this is a kind of a, it's more than I, than I want to uh, divulge in, in this response, but I think the way that this circumstance works on the level of consciousness, it's going to, it's going to self-correct no matter what. And for black people, what you need to do is try to identify what you're willing to sacrifice. Because if you think of it in terms of ammunition, that's the one energy system that you'll never run out of. It's always been the human's uh, ace card, if you will, in every primeval situation. I could wait, be patient and sacrifice the impulse to chase after that deer, to catch that motherfucker in the morning so I could get it off guard and win the hunt. We can do that. We can exercise restraint and self-sacrifice to multiply it into other effects that we, whatever we want it to be. And we're not doing that right now. We think because we're owed something that we're, that we don't owe ourselves anything, but we do owe ourselves restraint and frugality and solidarity. So if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to get real lasting and authentic change. Yeah. And, and I will say white women, um, something you can do is just don't, don't mess with dudes. If they racist, <laughs> like don't, <laughs> don't mess with a dude that's racist. Don't give him a passive future. Ah, you know, I'm just not, Look, don't do it. It'll go a long way. I swear to God, dudes will fucking at least act right about some shit. But yeah, yeah. and and then also um, keep keep having biracial children because that 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 very much contributes to the cause as well. <laughs> um, for me, um, and it, it, I guess it's hard for me to sort of um talk about it just because I, I I felt for my entire life that I was doing the the right thing and i am kind of lost but if there's anything that i could ask of white people it's just being honest it's it's truthfully just being honest and and reckon like going out there and and it's not just honest with us it's honest with yourself and and truthfully thinking about it whenever you say things like like I have, I have one person. I'm, fuck it, I'm gonna call them out. I mean, I won't even say their name, but if you guys know who I'm talking about, you'll know. This this lady whose son was killed in a motor accident goes through and starts talking about spent like just huge thing about how all lives matter. So I post a thing saying it's like you speaking at your son's funeral. And someone coming up and being like, actually, all kids, um, actually, all kids, it's uh, actually matter. You know, what I mean, it's that kind of insensitivity and, and just lack of awareness. That I think that we all need uh, or that we all are suffering from. It's this huge, huge lack of awareness. And it's like, I think that change is not a comfortable thing. It's, it's absolutely not a comfortable thing. It's not going to be done. It's not convenient. It's not going to be done by going and watching movies. 
it's it's going to be done off platform, off Facebook. Like it's going there and acknowledging people and and just having normal trying to have normal conversations. And I think that it um, one of the the things sometimes I feel like people feel like they have a idea of black people because I'm their one real black friend. And I think that that mindset has to stop. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I can't be your only black friend. Um, I think that it's, you have to go. One of the things too, with, with black people is that we do need to be, I think that there needs to be a disproportionate amount of support for us. Disproportionate. If you are friends with one, if you are dating one, if you're married to one, there has to be an uneven amount of support because it's hard enough for us to support ourselves. It's hard enough for us to support each other because we're having to perform so fucking much. And maybe that's just me. I've realized that I need a vastly disproportionate amount of support because now that I'm being my true self, I don't fucking have the energy for anyone else after like after I go out and perform every single day, I just don't. And I think that there's a lot of people out there like me. And I think that the big thing that I want people to understand is that there's, yes, there's more, there's a lot of people like me, but there's way vastly different uh, mindsets and viewpoints on this subject. And I, and I would hope that through this conversation, you guys see that you see the different take that Mark put took, you see the different take that Chris took, and then you see where I'm coming from. There, there's so much more to this discussion than you, than any of us could ever imagine. And you have to open your mind for that shit to, to, to come in. And part of that too, is another thing that we also speak of, and that's acknowledging the, the harshest and the worst pieces of your potentiality, the worst pieces of your history. Like you have to honestly acknowledge that stuff. Like they're own it. people don't yeah, own it. People don't want to, to think, or they don't, they seem to want to gloss over the fact and we've said it in multiple episodes that there hasn't been a single group of people in this nation who has been conquered the way that black people have like to be able to, to pull, like be taken from, from your land. I don't, and if you're sitting there saying you sold your own people, kill yourself, dude, kill yourself to be, to be taken from your land, to be put in this, um, given servitude to, to literally forget your gods because Christianity is the master's religion. I don't care what you say to be forced to be taught a different language. You said that to be a church too. I remember that. I, I did say that to a church <laughs> like, to be forced to, t- to know a different language then to be, to have your name removed to, to no, I know all these, your last name's not Smith. That's not what it is. And to have all that shit stripped away, that's, you have to acknowledge that that happened. And I'm tired of people with that argument saying, like, playing on like it never happened. I don't know what could ever be done to repair that. I don't know what can be. But what I do know is that having things like that happen will create a, and then, and then, whenever they, the, the civil war is over and there's some kind of abolishment of slavery, if you will, then you have vagrancy laws that say, if you're not working, you're going to go to jail and jail meant you're going back to work. But if you're not hiring black people, that means you're going back to work. You're back in the same system. 
It's just presented differently. And like, then acknowledging the part of history where things got a little bit more liberal, then you start to see, and you can, you can check it out on YouTube, the marketing campaign of how to sell to the Negro and literally pointing out all this shit. And if you listen to it, you're like, God damn, that really still applies now. Like there is damage happening over and over and over and over again. And just like even Mark said, we're, there's a certain point where it's like, we all, we also have to take ownership of it. Like we cannot keep buying the goddamn J's. Like we can't keep doing all these other things. Like it's, 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 you're, you're hurting. We're hurting the fight by going out there and doing all these things and speaking and then going back and then subscribing to Hulu or to all these other things. And it, it, it you know, buying, buying diamonds that are in conflict zones that come from Africa where people are getting destroyed. So you can have your fucking ring on your hand. Like it's, there's so many there's so many levels to this and i just wish that if we were to understand the amount of levels to it it is it's saddening but also i think that there's a there's a level of power to that knowledge and if we just do whatever we can to be responsible and to to enact different kinds of changes and just choose to do things differently or better that's where i think that we can even scratch the surface like we've said, and I think we all agree, black lives mattering is just, that's just the beginning. That is yeah, God damn. It's the um, fucking tip, dog. But <laughs> Yeah, of, of a massive, massive iceberg. It is a just a small, small tip. Uh, and, and that's where we are. But I also think for black people, we, we certainly have to, to do that. We have to really believe that too for each other. We absolutely have to believe that within ourselves. I feel well, like I've I've done enough damage to myself thinking that I was doing the right thing and I'll, I'll eventually figure it out. But I'm very thankful. I'll say this. I know we've kind of like we've we sort of not really gone away from this this idea that I have. But I do believe that the youth out there, because they don't have anything to lose, it's easy for them th- to to go out and speak out the way they are. And they have a type of courage that I wish that I did have, but I just, I just don't think that I do. Well, we're, we're locked in, man. We're, we're locked in in a lot of motherfucking ways, but we're locked um, in. I have my comforts. I have my nice house. I have my pool. I have all this other stuff. And it's like, I'm the one realizing that this shit is like, this is the prison that I've built thinking that I was doing all those things. Gilded, gilded fucking cage, man. Yes, the gilded cage. May I say that, uh, give listeners some homework to do. Yeah. I, if you do nothing, if you have absolutely been disgusted by anything and everything I've said thus far, please just listen to this one thing I say tonight. Listen to Michael Render, also known as killer Mike. His verse on uh, Walking in the Snow on the new Run the Jewels 4 album. Yeah. And that Just tells listen. It, it very concisely articulates how the system fucking just basically has a ongoing assembly line to circulate black males through the criminal justice system. Yeah. If, and if you on don't, top of that, how... I might be this 
nice person, upstanding person with, with all this stuff, but it doesn't matter. All it takes is one little thing for me to do. We got, there's, there's dudes that don't look like me that can beat the unholy piss shit out of their wives. And it's, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, your big Nigerian I, ass would be on WBKO and a fucking All I heartbeat. have to do is, oh my God. Yeah. Like, and it's not saying I want to be able to beat women too. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it's just like, you have to recognize that there are things in play that do make it easy. It's, I'm sooner going to be vilified for anything that I do. And, and that's the real, that's the real shame. So please acknowledge that stuff going on. Please hold your friends, hold your family members accountable. If your dad or your mom said some racist shit a long time ago, put them in check for that right now. If you remember them doing it, put them in check for that shit right now. I wrote someone, I wrote someone a letter. I did. I let them know that you're never going to make me feel bad about my, my color. You're never going to make me feel bad about my heritage. You're never going to make me feel bad about my race, any of that shit. Like I'm done. I'm done hating you. I'm like, I'm done with all that shit, but we, you guys, it has to come from you guys, especially the youth. You've, you've taught me a whole lot and I, 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 all I can do is kind of sit back and and learn and listen. But when I come back, I promise you guys, there's going to be some shit that's going to get done, but I just have to somewhat lay low right now. Do what you got to do. Well, do what you got to do, baby. But like I said, I think that you could be a very potent voice moving forward with all this. Yeah. Coming from your unique background and the epiphanies you've had lately. Some of it is like, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing stuff. And it's just a matter of how to get it, how to get my thoughts together and then how to do something good. It's like, I feel, and I'm, and I'm not even... Like, I feel that there's something big for me to do. Truthfully, truthfully. And and I'm part of my sadness is that I feel like it's always been there. And then part of the other sadness is that I didn't answer the call to action like I should have. And that leads to the, you know, our previous episodes when we talk about being the hero in your in your life story. And I didn't answer those calls to action where I could have done something. And and uh, here I am now. So maybe this is all still part of the story where I can answer the call and it will lead to new friends. It might lead to a, a, a death of the character that is Kalu now. You know what I mean? Just like in just like in Joseph Campbell's model, there is a character death. And maybe that's what I'm fighting with right now. But oh, yeah. who knows? Oh, yeah. But guys, that's all we have. I don't want to do shameless shout outs for this one. It's I'm, I, I have zero energy for for <laughs> for anything that isn't this issue right now. So um, with that, I just want you guys to take care of yourselves. I want you to take care of each other. Please reach out if you have any sort of feedback, if you want to be able to have more conversations. Um, you know, I, I recently did like a a little conversation with with one person on Thursday. I'll just, you know, if you've got Skype or whatever, we can fire it up and we can just have a nice talk. It may not be nice, but at least we're having an honest conversation. I'm getting sick of the the, Facebook and and Instagram where you post something and you get a bunch of likes and you get people that agree and they like, I'm just getting tired of that. It's, It's too easy 
it's, it's almost like no one wants to put in the effort. They'll just hit the like button and they keep it moving. Like I want feedback, real feedback. I want a conversation. So if you guys have stuff to say, reach out, DM us. You've got some of you guys have my text or, or my phone number. Call me, text. Let's get something going. Let's put ourselves out there because it's the, that vulnerability is that's the uncomfortable part of it. You guys have listened to me be vulnerable right now and tell you that I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm going to go find a therapist, I'm doing all the shit. Like, that's what it, the, the effect that all this has had on me. I'm not just your token black guy anymore. I'm not just the, the friendly guy. I, I'm something else, but I'm just trying to figure out what. So thank you guys for for talking with me about this. Um, I to hope show. you guys have a good week. Um, <clears throat> Let's uh, let's come through with some more content. Uh, I kind of want to release something else during the week. I just don't know when and what, but something else will come. And so we'll all talk about it. So we guys are out. Peace.